Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On Friday, February 16th, 2018, 20-year-old Ryan Stuka finished working at Sun Peak Ski Resort in British Columbia, Canada. After work, he went home and later went to a silent disco at one of the local pubs. Later that same night, he would end up at a house not far from the pub, hanging out and drinking with some friends and roommates until the early hours of Saturday, February 17th. Sometime around 2 a.m., Ryan looked to be leaving the party, but would seemingly vanish without a trace into the snowy abyss of Sun Peaks. Over the course of the next few episodes, I'm going to talk to people who know Ryan and help search for him. We will get to know Ryan as a person and explore the circumstances surrounding his disappearance. In this first episode, I talk to Ryan's mother, Heather Stuka, and Ryan's friend, Daniel, who tell us about Ryan as a child and a teenager and about his decision to move to Sun Peaks. You're listening to a podcast for the missing with me, Tyler Hooper left the very next day, which would have been December 1st. And I said, okay, well, we're like, you better come upstairs and say goodbye before you go. And his car was packed to like completely packed that night before. And I remember him coming up and Scott and I were sleeping because it was so early and he was anxious to go. He was just, you know, ready to get his, that, that part of the, the adventure started. And so he came up and, and gave us a hug and a kiss. And I always think now, I think you always think with guilt. If I had known it was the last time, I would have really insisted on a longer hug or, you know, that I was able to give him a hug and a kiss and, of course, you know, tell him, looking in his eyes and staring at him, how much I loved him and to drive safely and how proud I was of him for taking this step because Ryan has always been pretty... Ryan Stuka was born on March 17, 1997, and was the first child for Heather and Scott. This meant Ryan got all the attention and went everywhere with his proud parents. But it didn't take long for Heather and Scott to grow their family, 
which meant Ryan would no longer be the only child or the center of attention. No, he'd have two siblings to, at first, compete with, then as they got older, look after as their bigger, older brother. I mean, we didn't have, we didn't even think about having another child until Ryan was three, and even that was a stretch. We just thought that there's just no way um, we would ever be able to love. When you when you have your first child, I think that's probably a common theme, is you have your first child, you, you don't think that there's any way that you could love another child as much as you love this one. And thankfully, as that turns out, that's, that's not right, that, you know, the more um, love you have to give, the more you get. And so um, we had Jordan, and honestly, we had Ryan, and then Jordan came three years later. We, we had a boy and a girl, you know, perfect suburban family. Um, you know, Scott coached in soccer and ringette, and, um, you know, I stayed at home. I took him to play school. Uh, we made cookies after his um, – after his um, school dates, we'd have play dates, we'd go to the park, you know, we always went in the summer um, out to our, uh, we have a, a spot at a lake, and so it was 45 minutes away, we'd always go there and spend the, the summer learning how to ride bikes, we always traveled with my, down to visit my parents, I think that we were a typical, well, maybe not typical, in some of the experience that we were able to have, um, but we were a typical, normal, average family that, um, you know, hung out together, didn't have anybody really babysit the kids until Ryan was old enough to, to speak except for family and close friends. We were just that that family. Um, and then uh, we moved uh, from Edmonton into Beaumont, and school went along fine. Everything was, you know, just average, again, normal. Like, our, our lives were imperfectly perfect, but they were our own. Like, whatever, whatever we made, Scott worked. I stayed at home for most of... Um, the kid's childhood. And then uh, probably, well, uh, Scott and I were married almost 10 years, and uh, Juliana decided to make an appearance. And I always thought, oh, my goodness, I don't know how we're going to do this. You know, I have one that's about to go into kindergarten. We're about to be free. <laughs> like School um, half days, the other one's in school full time. Like, we were just on the cusp of being able to not worry about diapers and um, – and toddlers, and then Juliana made her appearance, and I, and I think you know she was the thing that bonded us again together as a family, brought us back, not thinking so much about um, the future. I will say that I think that you know I look back at our time, and I think only when the kids were really small that I ever think I was actually in the moment. I think you know n now you can sort of reflect on it, but. Back then, you didn't really think about what your life was before your children. I mean, you could spend some time, but that was always wishful thinking. And then you never really thought about what was going to happen the next stages. All you could see is your children at this age, and it was hard to imagine what happened when they grew up. So you were very in the moment um, at the time. And, and Juliana brought us back to thinking that we're in the moment, we're, you know, together as a family. And I would say that him being the oldest, of course, Jordan's three years younger. And then Jordan comes out and just wants to um, play with him, wants to build with him. And he's having none of it. Like, you're three years younger. You are a girl. I don't want to. So I think she toddled after him quite a bit. And he was just like, you're a baby. I don't want to, I like, we're not best friends. 
And so, you know, not that there was uh, anything with that. It's just, I think it was a normal thing. And then Juliana came along. And I would have to say that his relationship with Juliana at a younger age, he called her, the, he still, like up until the day that he left, he calls her the baby. Um, and so she was the baby. But because she, he was eight when, when she came along, and so probably not until he was 10 did she ever really start toddling after he was a lot more patient with that. And by that time, Jordan was on her own little thing, so she didn't really care so much about whether her big brother um, was nice to her or not. Um, but, you, you know, the, you, you worry about him being the oldest, but he was, he was really good. He would um, take Juliana out. He would actually play with her. And then as the kids got older, him and Jordan um, revived this uh, friendship that I think that I, you know, you want to see as a, as a, parent from the very beginning. Oh, they're going to be best friends and all the rest. Um, but then as they got older, they were able to reprise that um, in that sort of relationship where they were close. They'd actually tease about Juliana. They'd send Snapchats and stuff like that. So I think that's the one thing that makes me, I mean, there's a lot of things that make me sad, but um, they were just getting to the point where they were becoming really good friends, uh, Jordan and him, and then to have that cut short. Um, just makes me feel lost. Lost and sad for her. The Stuka kids grew up in a close-knit community called Beaumont, just outside of the Edmonton area. Scott and Heather moved to Beaumont when Ryan was finishing kindergarten. Heather calls it a French-inspired community that is very walkable. The population is somewhere close to around 20,000 people. Heather says that Ryan was enrolled in French immersion, but all the schools taught English and French, so there wasn't really a division of classes. This made the kids Ryan hung out with a tight group. One of Ryan's good friends, Daniel Perot, says he, Ryan, and the other kids did what kids did then, have fun. It was just, it was all about the good times with Ryan, even when we were kids. Like, you know, it wasn't about, it wasn't about being mean or anything like that. But we always just joked with with, with one another and whatnot. And it was just, it was all for the laughs. And we had a great time growing up. Played a lot of Halo and played a lot outside. <laughs> Like, we, I don't know, just random stuff. We came up with a lot of games, like, on trampoline and stuff like that. So, at the time, I would have been very young. Like, when 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 Ryan and I were friends, my brother and I hung out all, like, every day. So, from about 8 to 10, there was about two years there. When I was 10, we moved away. So, when we were kids, uh, I was homeschooled. My, my brother and I, my family, anyways, at that time. And Ryan went to school right down the road. So whatever, we'd have school at home all day and then he'd be at school. And then every day after blah, 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 we like everybody knew what time was the time to call. <laughs> we'd call over, convince our parents, hey, can we come over? And uh, it was probably like that every day. So if Heather thought things were hectic, it would have been because we were by there. We were, well, we were, he was over at my house or we were at his place. It was every day. <laughs> Although Ryan was social and outgoing with his friends, he could be quieter, more reserved around people he didn't know. He wasn't shy, but he wasn't necessarily rambunctious either. One thing he was, though, was athletic during his formative years. With a lean six-foot frame, blonde hair and brown eyes, Ryan looked every part the jock. But he wasn't just good at sports. He was smart, and he excelled at his studies. When he's with his friends and he's comfortable more of an extrovert but uh, I wouldn't say he's the one like I can talk to I think almost anybody 
um, making small talk is 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 not really um, arduous for me at all. And so, you know, they'd always call me Chatty Cathy when I'm out talking. I'd always see somebody I'd know and have lengthy conversations with them. He um, was not that type. I think the the one that fits most to my personality would probably be my youngest um, because she can also do the same thing where she talks to anybody. But um, Ryan, polite, you know, everybody used to come back and, and tell us how polite the kids were. And, you know, they were happy that their kids were friends with our kids and probably likewise. But um, I would say outside of people, I introvert. Like he just wasn't, he wouldn't go out of his way um, to be the life of the party. He just wouldn't, he'd be with his friends, perhaps if it was just their friends, he could, he could be funny that way. But if there was a bunch of people he didn't know, I think he always read the room. I think he looked around to see and to see how comfortable he was before he, he stretched his neck out. Well, you know, this always goes back to, um, he's mad at me because, um, I didn't force him into hockey, except, you know, when he was a child, I did put him in cam skeet, uh, and he, he hated it. 45 minutes every class, he cried. And so I thought, okay, well, we'll just wait a little bit. And then he, he got himself into soccer and loved that um, and would not uh, put on skates to save his life until um, he was about 14 and 15 and all the boys are out there um, skating in the outdoor rinks that they have all around uh, Beaumont. And then he's, like, looking at me going, so how come he didn't put me in hockey? And I'm like, I... I, your father would have loved it, uh, being a hockey player himself. You chose not to, but, um, you know, he's Ryan, very athletic, has always been athletic. Um, and so he has a tremendous ability to, to run quite quickly. So anything that was a running sport, soccer, rugby, football, um, he would do ball hockey, any of those sort of things. So very athletic. And, um, he was, um, smart without having to try, which was very annoying for me. I used to say, I wish you could go through life, um, honestly, without, with the same sort of effort and attitude that you have now in high school, studying the night before and getting, you know, 90 on your, on your exam. I wish that that will be what it'll be for the rest of your life. I'm just worried that you won't learn your work ethic from that. Um, but, Again, that, you know, those are all fears that parents have, and then they turn out uh, not to come true. But he um, he did really well in school. He had the same group of friends um, that he had had since grade one, and then was able to, because we're surrounded by different schools, they all come to the high school. So it was an opportunity for them to all get to meet each other outside of anything if you weren't extracurricular. And so, you know, he met up with a... Um, an additional group of, of kids that are still today um, very much part of our lives. Daniel and Ryan met while they were young, around seven or eight years old. They played soccer together like a lot of young kids do when they're young, and a friendship quickly formed. Sports was a big part of their life. So were video games. Daniel moved around a lot, but he says he and Ryan always kept in touch, mostly through Xbox. They reunited in high school and leaned on each other in those formative years. The boys were, they were really, really tight. I think that was what was really fun is that I think the group, like the, the attitude amongst one another never changed. Like everybody was just all about, it was all about laughing. Like these guys were just always having fun. And I think that's why I, I always just really appreciate them. These guys, cause uh, 
there's just a lot of fun memories in my my high school or even younger than that that are that I can attribute you know to them so I appreciate that you know but uh what the only reason it went as well as it did was because of you know my friendships with guys like like Ryan the end of high school is a critical time in anyone's life for many, the days of being a carefree youth are numbered as the real world beckons waiting to shape you as an adult. For a lot of people, they know what they want to do from a young age, and they follow that path until they become it. But others aren't so sure, and the end of high school can be scary, unnerving, or just uncertain. Ryan had a lot of interests, both academically and otherwise, but as Heather says, he wasn't in a hurry to make any permanent decisions about his future. Hello, nerds. Come listen to the History Nerds United podcast, and let's make history fun again. We interview today's best authors, whether they are established Pulitzer Prize winners or someone debuting their first book. Let us show you that history is not a boring class you took in high school, but a place where the best stories come from. And we don't just cover history. We also love to chat about true crime, biographies, memoirs, and so much more. So head on over to History Nerds United, and let us introduce you to your new favorite book and learn the story behind the story. History Nerds United. Absolutely no idea. You know, I mean, and he did well in school. Math and science were you know, something that he, he excelled um, very well at. But he had no clue what he wanted. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. To do. And I, I almost think that's, like, you'll have some kids that just absolutely know from the, the time they were young and they, they don't deviate. He never, you know, as a child, wanted to, I, honest, I thought he would do something, um, an archaeologist, because he loved dinosaurs and talking about them. Um, and then he, he loved animals, so, you know, he'd say he'd want to be a zookeeper. But he really just had no... Um, no idea what he wanted to do. And, and to me, that's that's okay. And so that started, you know, when you're done school, well, what is the plan after school? And when I ask him what a plan is, it is not um, for you to discuss and um, for uh, me to give approval or not approval. It's just a, a natural discussion, what, what would be the next step? And so he wasn't sure and I said, okay, well, you know, there's some options. You can obviously go to school. Um, you can get a job. And, and, you know, I sort of thought, okay, you work um, labor or in some sort of trade for a bit, and then he'll decide if that's something he likes. And if it isn't something that he likes, maybe that will help 
push him in a direction of going to further his education. And that's pretty much what happened. He worked for a year for uh, my husband and, their, and the company my husband works for. They, he worked there for a year, did really, really well. I was so concerned that, again, you know, as a, as a parent that that work ethic, hardly putting any effort into it and getting, you know, great results was going to not translate well when you go into uh, a work environment. But I remember the very first day uh, that Scott, they drove together because Ryan didn't have his driver's license at that time. And Scott said, look, I'll, I'm going to, I woke you up today. He goes, I won't wake you up again. I leave the house at seven. Um, and at seven Oh two, if you're not in the car, I'm, I'm not coming down. I'm not getting you. I'm not calling you. Um, I will just leave. And Ryan never missed a day of work in the entire time that he worked, um, for Scott builders, never missed a day of work, except I think when he got a concussion in, uh, in rugby, other than that, he was up on time. He'd show up and he'd work, um, weekends and, the interesting part for me is that obviously, you know, you're 18. There's, I don't have a, there's no curfew here. Um, but, um, if he was working the Friday, all of his friends finished school on Thursday. And so they would go out Thursday night. He absolutely refused to, cause he didn't want to be tired the next day. So he did a, a year of, of working. And then after he's like, you know, I, I don't, this is, I don't want to do this sort of job. I don't want to be in construction. I don't want to do a trade like this, which is completely fine. It might not be uh, the avenue you wish to go down. And so he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to apply for school. And so he went to um, McEwen University and took science and he did really well. Um, but at the end, he said, I don't know what I want to do after that. I'm thinking, okay, well, just, you know, keep taking additional courses, get yourself involved. Maybe the, you will figure it out at the end of, of a three year or four year degree. And he's like, I just don't want to take and spend my time and my money on, um, on courses that I don't know what I want to do afterwards. I just think it's a waste. Fair enough. Okay. So what, it, what, what would be your plan now? And that's, I think that's when he started looking at having that year sort of a, of adventure. Sometime around Ryan's 20th birthday, he came up with a plan. He and a friend wanted to spend the winter season snowboarding and working at a ski resort. They hadn't really figured out where or how they were going to do that yet, but Heather says when she took Ryan out for a birthday dinner, he seemed excited about the idea of spending the winter working and snowboarding with his friend James. Took him out for his birthday. I was I was working a sh- uh, shift work, and so I didn't work until that evening. So I wasn't going to be around for his birthday for dinner, um, but I was around for lunch, and he had the day off. And so I took him out uh, for a birthday lunch. So just the two of us. And um, I remember, and I looked at him. I'm like, okay, so like school's like almost done. Um, is it something you can continue on with? Trying again, uh, having that trying to have that adult conversation with your child. And he looks and he has this, he, he has a smirk on his face. Um, and it, it's the one thing I always remember all the time, like when he's looking at, he has this half smile that he does. And so he had this look and he, he kind of looks at me and I'm like, like, okay, well, like what? And he goes, well, he goes, I was thinking uh, about um, spending the season or spending the year going up uh, and working at a ski resort with James, which would have been his friend that he's known since high school. And I just remember looking at his face and even though the smirk is there, like, I don't care the half smile. I don't care. I know my son and 
we were close enough to know that he was looking at me unsure of what I was going to say. Wanting to see if I was going to get my, my blessing, my, not my permission, because I wouldn't have at that point, but just wondering. And, you know, I look back and think, yeah, I could have, I could have said any, anything. I could have said to him, like, do you really think, like, are, are you planning on being a snowboarder as a profession? Are you planning on teaching this? Like, what do you, like, why would you go to BC? Why wouldn't you do something and do it in your spare hours? Um, like, why would you give up a job that pays you $23 an hour for something that pays you $11.47? Like, where are you going to live? Like, you could say all those things that are very logical. Um, and I think that I would have succeeded in maybe uh, piercing a bit of that dream or taking the glow off of what he wanted to tell me. And so I just, in that moment, when I looked and I could see that vulnerability in his eyes, I just said, tell me more. And I'm so glad I did. You know, even though I know what it's cost me, I'm so glad I did because as soon as I said, tell me more, his face lit up and he was so excited to to talk about what he thought might be a plan for him. We don't know where we're going to go. We thought about this place. We thought about this place. We thought about this. You know, uh, we want to go together. We're just going to stay for, like, I'm just doing the winter season. And then I don't, then I'll, I'll have an idea of uh, maybe, you know, I'll, I'll know what he wants, to, I, what he wanted to do when he comes back. And so he was so excited about telling me. And when we, and when I told Scott and when he told Scott, Scott was exactly the same way. Like, sounds like you're only young once. So why not take these opportunities that are given to you before life gets too responsible? When you're too settled into a pattern that you find it difficult to chase those dreams that you want to do, take it while you can now. And if, if it isn't what you want, well, you can always come home. It, it's fine. And so that sort of set him on the path. And he didn't really talk about it uh, much over the summer. He went back in the summer to work um, with Scott's the company again. And then he finished in November and then left December 1st to go up to Sun Peaks just for the winter season. Ryan and James looked at ski resorts like Revelstoke, but eventually landed on Sun Peaks, British Columbia, mostly because, well, they were able to get work. As Heather says, Ryan worked through the summer and began to make arrangements to move in the fall. Right before Ryan left, he visited Daniel and told him about his plan to move to Sun Peaks. Yeah, actually, you know, sadly, that was the last time I uh, ever saw Ryan. It was actually the day he told me he was moving out there. Uh, he, he, came out, uh, he came out to visit my brother and I. This would have been when I was 18, right after I graduated. And he came out and visited my brother and I and to spend the weekend with us, whatever. And we had brunch the day he was leaving, I believe, to go back home. And he he was telling he was telling the group, yeah, this is what he's doing, and he was all pumped about it. Or I think at the time he had an interview. I don't think he had the job yet. Some some like that, but yeah. He was telling the group, and, and then I think, he, you know, he was even asked, he was telling the boys, like, you know, like, you guys should come too, kind of thing. Like, it'd be, it'd be fun, and, you know, everybody laughed, like, yeah, it would be fun, and honestly, it would have been, but uh, I, nobody, I don't know, it wasn't in the picture for everybody, and then, uh, obviously, Ryan, that's what he wanted, so regardless, I'm going, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I think he just wanted to do some more freeing and freeing and on his own kind of thing. And and snowboarding was always a really big interest for him. Like uh, we started when we were kids, so why not? You know. James left first as his job required him to start work before December. However, Ryan didn't need to start his job as a tube operator until December 1st. This meant Ryan could spend the last weekend in November with his family. The day before he left, Ryan packed his blue 2007 Volkswagen Jetta that he had bought with his dad Scott in September to the brim. Ryan planned to leave early the next morning. He was excited to get on with his journey. That next morning, Ryan, beaming with a sense of adventure, said goodbye to Heather, Scott, and the family. He started his car, turned out of the driveway, and onto the road to Sun Peaks. So every year we do the exact same thing. So um, the last weekend in November, they always have a festival of trees here at the Shaw Conference Center in Edmonton. We've been taking Ryan since he was a baby, and then um, we've, I think we've only missed one or two years, and we've done it with the kids every single year. So it was a Friday night. Uh, we always go on a Friday night. We always go and do the festival of trees. And then the tradition afterwards is always to go to the old spaghetti factory for supper. And so Ryan was like, yeah, well, I'm going to do this, but I, I don't want to be out too late. I have to come home and finish my packing. So we were able to do our very last uh, tradition that we've, we've done every year since then um, together. And so, you know, it, we, I was happy that we were able to do that. I was happy he was able to be part of it. Um, Juliana, the youngest, uh, I, I remember her writing something saying, you know, I, I, I was so happy. Normally Ryan's not very nice brother to me, but this particular, uh, year when we went to the festival of trees, he, he went around with her everywhere to do, uh, crafts with her and to, um, color cookies and, you know, uh, fill out the, the dear Santa letters and all the rest of stuff. She said he was really nice to me that year. And so I suppose if you think of all the things that um, you're you're thankful for, grateful for, maybe it came together because this was going to come after. I'm I'm extremely thankful that her memory, her last memory of Brian, was something that was um, family filled and uh, was full of of love. So he left the very next day, which would have been December first, and I said, okay, well. Or, like, you better come upstairs and say goodbye before you go. And his car was packed, to, like, completely packed the night before. And I remember him coming up, and Scott and I were sleeping because it was so early. And he was anxious to go. He was just, you know, ready to get his that, that part of the, the adventure started. And so he came up and, and gave us a hug and a kiss. And I always think now, you know, often, well, I think you always think with guilt, if I had known it was the last time, I would have really insisted on a longer hug or, you know, but I was able to give him a hug and a kiss. And of course, you know, tell him looking in his eyes and staring at him how much I loved him and to drive safely and how proud I was of him for taking this step. Because Ryan has always been pretty introspective. Like he had the same group of friends since grade one, loyal to them. Um, you know, he was funny, sarcastic with them, but he wasn't that, that guy that went out and made tons of other acquaintances. He was happy with his core group. Um, and so 
for him to take this leap of faith to go on this adventure was something that I wasn't sure that that he would have done. Um, of course, you wish it for your kids to have all sorts of adventures and and to try new experiences, but I didn't know Brian would do that. He would. He was so much staying at home and uh, hanging out with his friends and coming home. It, it just, you know, I was I was so proud of him for taking this leap. And so I still remember him packing up and leaving, and then texting us when he when he got there. And he was happy. He was really happy. If you know anything about Ryan's disappearance, I urge you to contact Kamloops RCMP. You can reach them at 250-828-3000. And be sure to quote file number 2019-5071. You can also leave an anonymous tip if you call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS or submit your tip online to kamloopscrimestoppers.ca. On the next episode, I'll delve into Ryan's time in Sun Peaks and the days and hours leading up to his disappearance. I'm going to leave you with a clip from the next episode. Thanks for listening to a podcast for the missing with me, Tyler Hooper. And I think at that moment, well, in that moment, our, our lives changed forever, right? The girls were at home. Um, I called James and I had no better idea of what was going on at that point because I couldn't remember Sun Peaks where he lived where the party was um, I, I wasn't familiar with the area um, and so I couldn't understand how you could leave a house and and be in you know like a city if you think of a city if I'm walking down the path how can I get from one house around to the next house and go missing and then you you recognize when you get up there that um it's it's rural the train is is uneven there's so many trees up there it's a ski resort right and it's mountainous and so even when he's trying to tell me i'm like okay what have you guys done like have you gone like like it should be an easy from the path that you're going to here you should be able to find him like what i don't i don't know what you're doing and um so he, he really didn't have much more information and and at that point when scott was talking to the rcmp officer Scott's like, well, okay, you're out there with the canine unit right now. Should my wife and I come? And, of course, the the um, constable on the other end, I, I can't say, but, you know, you, you might want to come. But just drive safely. And so at that point, Scott's like, yeah, we're, we are leaving right now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees. Supercharging productivity for your developers. Providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. 
all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. 